Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. And indeed, welcome to the Sages Among Us. I'm Keith Porter, your host this evening. My guest today is Natalie Adona, and unfortunately, the uh, earlier introduction called her the Nevada County Clerk Recorder. She's the Nevada County Clerk Recorder-elect. She has been elected to the office to take office. When, Natalie, when does that actually happen? Uh, I believe it is January 3rd next year. January 3rd next year. So still elect at this point, but in line to, uh, to really uh, come in and replace Gregory Diaz and uh, become the clerk recorder for our county and the registrar of voters, which is a very important function, right? I think it is. Well, Natalie, welcome to the hot seat on the Sages Among Us. Let me share a little more of your background with our audience before we talk about you and your role in the community. So you grew up in Vallejo. You loved the arts. You were an actor, a dancer, a teacher of the arts. Uh, you did that for a number of years and then said, okay, um, I'm going to get serious about life. Well, now, that's my words. You can, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but then you went to UC Berkeley, got your uh, bachelor's degree. You went to Washington University in D.C., got your Juris Doctor and your Master's of Public Administration, and you focused on elections for a number of years in nonprofit field. And then in 2019, you uh, came back to California and to Nevada County as the assistant to Greg Diaz, uh, as assistant clerk, recorder, uh, and registrar of elections, right? Yes. I mean, the only thing that I would say, just for the people who happen to have gone to school in Washington, D.C., um, I went to the American University in Washington, D.C. One of the schools is a Washington College of Law. The other is the School of Public Affairs. Go Eagles! Oh, my. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that important editorial correction. <laughs> we got that well, right. you know, people have their allegiances, so I just want to, you know, honor mine. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Natalie, this show is about you and your work and how you contribute to our community. But I want to start by learning more about you and your interesting and multifaceted background. So they said you grew up in Vallejo. You were an only child, and you were the granddaughter of immigrants from Japan and the Philippines. And I'm wondering, as a child in that area, uh, did you hear stories about your grandparents' native lands? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, mostly from my Japanese side. Um, you know, so you know, my parents sort of separated when I was really young. And I was sort of, you know, bounced around between my mother's house and, and my father's house and you know, they, they all have stories about the motherland or, you know, what they perceive as a motherland. Right. Uh, and, you know, my grandmother, uh, my, my mom's mom was the one who watched me the most. And, you know, she sort of toted me around everywhere and, you know, gave me all kinds of Japanese-related stuff. You know, I would have Japanese snacks after school and, you know, pack up my little lunch in these cute little Japanese bags. And my friends thought it was a little weird. It was not cool back then oh, to be wow. different. Wow. But, um, you know, I would always hear about home. Sometimes her siblings would come to the United States to come visit. And... Um, 
Yeah, on the other side of my family, I heard basically a lot of swear words in Tagalog. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can't share them with them now, or I'd have to bleep you off the air. <laughs> but, but we'll just take that as a matter of faith. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, you know, on on the one hand, I I probably don't remember them anymore. <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> but I could try. We're, we're safe on that front then. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, uh, was your life impacted in either positive or negative ways, or both, by your family's history uh, as being immigrants at one generation above you, two, two generations above you? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that. It's mostly positive. You know, I'm very proud of who I am and where I come from and where my family comes from, you know. And growing up, you know, it's um, a little, I don't know if weird's the right word, but it, it is a little um, different growing up being all kinds of identities. Yeah. Right? Um, when you're young, you want to be part of groups. And I was sort of a part of all of the groups, but yet none of the groups at the same time. So, you know, early on in my life, I really struggled with my identity and, you know, who I am. You know, so back in the day, you know, we um, had to you know, always fill in these the paper. My mom and I moved around a lot. And... Um, Every school would ask, you know, sort of basic demographic information right. about me. And you could only check one thing right. on the ethnicity and race box. And so my mom was like, well, which one do you want to check off? <laughs> like, I don't know. It sort of feels weird to be an other, but it also feels disingenuous to say that, you know, I'm... Japanese or that I'm Filipino or that I'm part white and I mean I don't look like any of those things so that was uh, that was a little odd and I thought that I was the only one who who felt like that but when I talk to other kids who are, are mixed race as well they have you know sort of similar stories about that sort of you know pride and being and you know who one is but also a little bit of discomfort because you are so different. So have you settled on what you check now in terms of your identity when you're asked that question? Hyphenated American. Hyphenated. Is what, <laughs> is what I like to say. Right. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I try to just you know, let people just sort of guess, which is <laughs> not always comfortable for them. But, you know, I, I find it to be pretty informative and amusing. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So uh, tell us a bit about your family's extensive and proud military history. Yeah, uh, we have a big, long line of military service in my family. So, um, you know, my father was in the Air Force for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, his, his father was in the military. I can't remember what branch uh, he was in. And his grandfather before that actually came to the United States from the Philippines and you know, part part of his citizenship was you know sort of serving in the the U.S. military. Right. right. Um, you know, on my mother's side, her father, who I never met, he he actually died when she was like eleven or twelve years old. Um, but it, he was a you know sort of really high up in the U.S. Navy. Um, you know, he was a um, commander of a you know, really big ship, and he served in World War II. He also served in the Korean War. 
um, you know, after he died, my grandmother had met the, the man who I knew to be my grandfather, and he had served in the Marines. Um, then I found out years later, um, you know, I was visiting a cousin of mine on uh, my, the Filipino side of my family. And uh, he said, you know, I, I was working on our family tree. He, he loves doing the whole sort of family 23andMe stuff. And right. um, he goes, yeah, and I was sort of looking, and I noticed that one of our ancestors was named George Washington Carter. And he said, that doesn't sound like a very Filipino name to me. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, he did some digging, and it turns out that this person was a Buffalo soldier All who right. had served in Louisiana and was um, reassigned to the Philippines and met my great-grandmother's mother, and they got married and moved to Vallejo about 110 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's a long. Well, so you really have uh, deep roots yeah. uh, in Vallejo and then the South and gosh, all over. Oh yeah, actually, the um, Filipino Society of Vallejo recently posted some pictures of uh, that side of my family. My cousin shared them, and yeah, it was really it's really interesting to see. Well, I'm going to give, give you the official KVMR blessing at being a hyphenated American <laughs> in good standing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So during your teens and post-high school years, you worked as an actor, dancer, teacher in local theaters, uh, obviously the arts, you love it, but you didn't stay in that field professionally. Do you miss your involvement in the theater and the arts, and do you find any ways to be involved in arts now? You know, sometimes I do really miss it. Um, it a lot of the lifelong friends that I have made over the years are via all of those connections. Uh, you know, people who you know I've known for 20, 25 years and, you know, still remain pretty close to, and they, they've stayed in the business. And I'm like, eh, you know, I sometimes wonder what if. Um, but, you know, I find ways to express myself artistically. Um, you know, I do um, uh, do a lot of, you know, little, you know, I, I doodle a little bit. I do some <laughs> drawings. Uh, but, you know, I also, you know, get to express myself like, you know, I uh, have designed our next poll worker pen for, for all of our election workers oh, to wear. Yeah, and, you know, sort of things like that, like, you know, de designing stuff at work or, you know, just sort of... You know, doing stuff because, you know, I want to do it. You know, I bang out a few chords on the guitar and, mm. um, uh, you know, I like to, you know, paint. I, I don't paint well, but hey, I do it. <laughs> it's, it's not about well, it's about whether it satisfies you, right? Well, you know, I would like to one day <laughs> paint something that I'm actually okay hanging up on my wall and not like saying, oh, yeah, I was trying some, like, you know, Art Nouveau abstract, whatever. <laughs> Well, when you do that, you do that, show us your picture. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> you're listening to The Sages Among Us. I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Natalie Adona. She's currently assistant Nevada County clerk recorder and registrar of voters, assistant to Greg Diaz. Uh, but she was elected in June and will be replacing Greg and become the clerk recorder, registrar of voters in January of next year. So it's great to have you here, Natalie. Um, you said you, you, you didn't do well in school particularly, and you had that uh, few years in the arts where you were having a good time and doing things you really enjoyed. But you then ended up paying your way to community college. You obviously did well there because you ended up at UC Berkeley, and then you ended up at, ended up at American University in Washington, right? Did mm -hmm. I get that right this time? Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> All right. You got your JD and your, uh, in law and your master's in public affairs. 
that had to be a major pivot in your life to decide to do that and, and to go through the effort to get yourself through mm-hmm. college. What, what was behind that? What would you say caused that for you? Well, I mean, just to be clear, I didn't do well in school because I found school boring. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't that I, I, I didn't get the assignments, but, you know, I would do snarky things like um, tell my math teacher, you know, you've assigned 50 problems, but I can learn it in 25. So here's my homework. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was really, it must have been extremely frustrating for them. So I'm sorry, Mr. Stern and any <laughs> other teacher who I might have offended. Well, Natalie, since you've got your degree at Berkeley, your JD and your MB, MFA, M- M- MPA, MPA, you yeah. don't have to apologize anymore. Okay, okay, well, good, good. Um, but, you know, still. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, the, there, there was a point in my life where it, part of it was a practical decision. Like, um, you know, I... The arts do not pay well. Indeed. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, so, you know, I, I needed to find a way to um, sort of improve certain parts of my life. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, sort of bigger picture, uh, you know, I was sort of, you know, coming to a um, point in my life where I was like, what, what am I really doing? What do I really want to contribute um, do I think that doing what I'm doing now is um, allowing me to uh, live up to my full potential? So, you know, I, I, I ultimately said, I, I don't know. Maybe I should take some classes and, you know, just explore a, a little bit. Was, you know, even in my you know, mid to late 20s, I, I really felt like I, I didn't know myself that well. And I wanted to step back and take some time to really figure that out. So you know, I think it, I think life works that way for a lot of people, and I think there are a lot of people who wish they had taken the time, maybe at their early adulthood, to reassess and think things through. So that sounds like a really positive step to have done that, and then to make a decision and find something you really love in addition to the arts in election business, right? You know, it was it was hard because for me at the time, I was really afraid that stepping away would mean stepping away from all of my friends and you know everything that no. you know we knew. But um, you know, I just had to sort of trust that I was ultimately doing the thing that was best for me and nobody else. Well, let's, let's recap what that has amounted to for you during the time after college. Uh, you started as a poll worker in the Bay Area and a student researcher at the Election Administration Research Center. You worked for a variety of election-focused organizations, including Democracy Fund, a private philanthropy in Washington. You've authored books and papers on elections. You've served on the board of the California Association of Clerks and Election Officials. And you're a member of the County Recorders Association of California. That's all. Sounds like a deep dive into your profession. Uh, any other significant things that I left out there? Uh, well, there's um, a couple of things that I, I do participate in. So, um, you know, one is a campaign called the Faces of Democracy, and it is um, a, a group of election officials, either you know locally or at the state level, and you know even down to the the poll worker level. And um, you know what we do is try to educate the public on 
what elections are all about and to, you know, sort of really elevate the voices of people who don't normally get a seat at the table when decisions are made about election policy. Uh, and, you know, particularly now because there is a um, sort of troubling increase of harassment and threats against Indeed. election workers. Indeed, yes. Uh, you know, that you know, part of the purpose is to inform decision makers on what our experiences are and, you know, what, from our perspective, they can do to be helpful. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm really honored to be part of that group. I also uh, serve uh, on a task force about elections with an organization called the Bipartisan Policy Center, uh, which is an organization based in Washington, D.C., and uh, they you know, similarly try to um, sort of do education and research about um, about policies that hopefully both sides of the political aisle can come together on and agree with. Um, you know, the third um, sort of thing that I'm very proud to participate in, uh, I'm on the advisory board for the uh, Election Official Legal Defense Network. Um, there are depending on how you count, in between 8,000 and 10,000 chief election officials across the country. Many of them are under-resourced, and many of them have been, you know, sort of unfortunately subjected to um, um, some some threatening behavior and, you know, harassment. Sometimes that comes from outside groups. Sometimes that comes from an insider threat. And many of them do not have the resources to protect themselves legally. So, um, you know, I am on a board that seeks to provide those resources for free. Um, sounds like very good, important work uh, to keep our system working, our democracy afloat, really, in many respects. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely you know, encourage people to learn more about these organizations and what they do. So you were involved in work like that in Washington, D.C. in 2019, and then you decided you wanted to come back to California kind of for family reasons and uh, found an opportunity to interview with Gregory Diaz for the assistant job here. And obviously he chose you in 2019. So what was it like to come back to Nevada County, and how is that different than uh, where else you've lived in recent years? You know what? Uh, so... When I interviewed with him, I sort of did a whole bunch of research on Nevada County, and the first thing I went is like, ooh, this is a really pretty area. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like sort of digging in, because, you know, I like outdoor activities, and um, I'm like, well, there's, there's a lot of places to hike. Oh, and there's Truckee, and, you know, there's Grass Valley, and Nevada City, and, you know, a lot of places, you know, to go outside and do stuff. So I thought, oh, you know what, that... That might be a good place to land. And then the second thing that I did was Google how far it was from my, my grandmother's house. You had mentioned that, you know, I, I came out for, for family reasons. And it was really to be closer to my grandmother. We had lost my grandfather uh, the year before. And, um, you know, she's never up until this point really lived by herself. So, mm. uh, you know, I wanted to help my mother, you know, help her and, you know, take a little bit of pressure off by being closer to home. So I went, oh, well, it's only a two-hour drive. So, so that's still valid. Vale for your where your grandmother's mm -hmm. located still yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, she still lives in Vallejo. It's a it's a pretty easy years. commute except on Sunday evenings. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean that that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like I I might owe her one. <laughs> so back to California, back to Nevada County, got selected and appointed to that position. Mm -hmm. um, at, but 
was June the first time you had actually run yourself for election in a, to an elected office? Yeah, I had never thought that I would run for office, but there I was running right. for office. Oh, wow, I bet that was something. Well, it seems to me the kinds of experience and qualifications you need to take this office are really significant. And it's a layperson's question, I suppose, but what's your, what's your view? When we elect someone to that position, politics gets involved. And, and a good example was that was this, there was a real hate piece, I'll call it, that was circulated prior to your election uh, that was really negative about your qualifications and experience uh, that I think was not accurate, and certainly not in my opinion. Um, I'm wondering if it would be better to have the Board of Supervisors, let's say, appoint the clerk, recorder, registrar of voters, rather than uh, electing them publicly. What, what's your thought about that? That is a really good question, and it's something that I've thought about a lot over the years. Um, you know, across the country, there are some election officials who are elected and some who are appointed, and that, I mean, that's even true in California. In really? some of the, yeah, in some of the bigger counties, you do have appointed registrars. In um, smaller counties like ours, they're, they're elected. Um, and... You know, I think that there are um, advantages and disadvantages to each method of selection. So, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, if you are appointed by a board of supervisors, then you sort of remove the possibility that the registrar would have to be on the ballot. And that, I mean, that is, you know, sort of tough yeah. uh, to be running elections, but to also be on the ballot. Yeah, indeed. Um, um, but, you know, on the other hand, the accountability is only to three people really and you know those are the people who on any Tuesday if you're, could if vote you're out. by majority right the board, I see. Yeah. right but you know yeah. if you're elected by the voters then you know really you're you answer to the voters you know ultimately I mean you know hopefully they elect you based on your experience and your ability to actually carry out the work um, but um, you know at the end of the day uh, you know the accountability is really to the public and not to the board of supervisors yeah. Well, I don't think there's much question about it, but we're going to find out next year whether the elected, uh, whether the electorate made the right decision in choosing you, right? Oh yeah, we will. And you know what? I mean, that that is something that is always on my mind, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I think, and I can only hope that people would agree that I have the the chops to get the job done. Yep. You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Keith Porter. My guest today is Natalie Adona. She is, was elected in June to replace Gregory Diaz as our clerk, recorder, and registrar of voters uh, starting in January of next year. And uh, we're, we're finding out all about her life, and let's turn a little bit to the job, a little bit more to the job that you have now. Um, I think most of us get the elections part. We understand that, right? I mean, you know, you, you manage elections. We all participate in that. But what, what's the clerk recorder part of the job like? Is it is it mundane and boring uh, <laughs> and kind of uh, bureaucratic doings, or is it really fun? Uh, you know, well, I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe not everyone would agree, but you know, I think that the clerk recorder is an essential function for you know how we sort of live our lives here. Um, you know, if you get married, you go to the clerk recorder to actually get your marriage certificate. Yeah. We can even marry you if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, if you need a birth certificate because, you know, you still need to get your real ID, 
we've got the certified copies of your birth certificate if you were born here, you know. Um, if you need a death certificate for any reason and your loved one, you know, sort of passed away in Nevada County, we will, you know, we will have those, you know, also if you buy a house, you know, the bank expects you to record that loan. You come to the clerk recorder's office to record your documents. You know, you can get maps at the clerk recorder's office. Um, you know, there's so many things that we do that, you know, may seem mundane, but, you know, are, are really essential to, to people's lives. I mean, you can do research, you know, on, on your property, on, you know, your genealogy, things like that. I mean, there's, a, I think there's a ton of interesting stuff there. Um, but, you know, maybe not as exciting not as, as an exciting. election. I'll admit that's okay. Well, speaking of exciting, <laughs> a few months ago there were people who pushed their way into the, uh, the your office, and I believe you were there when that happened, and they were asked not to come in without masks, and maybe that was the issue. Uh, they re refused to obey, and there was, uh, I think, a restraining order came out of it. What was that like, being in the office when that happened? Was that scary and difficult for you and the staff? Yeah, um, you know that was a, that was a really hard day, I think, for everybody, um, and you know, just for me personally, um, I you know, one of the stark memories that I have of that day because I, mean, I did not see the pushing incident, but you know, I was definitely called out to the lobby to um, sort of address the people who had who had come in, and. Um, and I noticed that you know every single one of my staff, except for maybe one, um, had put themselves in the the hallway where the, it, it's sort of separated from the public area. And you know I was standing sort of in between them and you know in between these people who are obviously you know sort of really upset with us. And um, you know just seeing how afraid my staff was really? of what might happen and me not knowing what was going to happen next um, uh, and just sorting the sort of intense weight of responsibility for these people's safety and to have everyone sort of leave and, you know, sort of calm down all, you know, sort of intact, uninjured. Um, I, I, I felt deeply responsible for, um, making sure everyone was, you know, sort of feeling like they could come back to a safe work environment. And I just did not know uh, what was going to happen I, or, or what to do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think about that a lot. And, I mean, I, I think mostly about whether or not I could have done anything different. And, you know, I, I guess so. But then I think... How, how helpful is that? Well, I, I hope you will express to your staff and to yourself that the, the rest of us really appreciate that you're there, that you're doing what you're doing uh, despite pressures and things that come up, and that we hope uh, that you are able to move past that and, uh, and do the job and, uh, and, and receive gratitude from the public for doing it well. So thank you. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I think that the staff was really you know, encouraged and surprised and grateful by how many people, when they found out what happened, um, had sort of reached out and said, 
you know, we we support you and, you know, you're part of our community. And, you know, they were just, um, you know, sort of very encouraging and said, you know, I hope you guys are able to open up soon and we're sorry this happened to you. I mean, there was a huge outpouring of people who wanted to express their support. I mean, people sent us flowers and candy. It was it was something. Well, it's a it's a genuine expression of the appreciation that most of us, I think, have for what you do. Well, Natalie, I have a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you that we're not going to get to, uh, but uh, we appreciate the deep dive into your background. But let me ask you one here before we close. Sure. If there, if a genie in a bottle granted you one thing that you could change about this community when you've been you've been a part of a, this community for going on three years, uh, what what would you like to see different in uh, Nevada County than that's happening right now? Oh, geez. I mean, that's a hard question because there's so many great things about Nevada County that I just really love. Um, you know, I would think that if there were one thing that that I could change, um, you know, I I would say that I would really love the opportunity to uh, actually get out more and um, uh, you know have some you know some. Um, more walkable spaces, mm. um, you know, like there, there's a, a, a big stretch of road that you know, I live near Wolf Creek Trail. Um, I would love to be able to get there on a sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? I'm also glad to drive my car and get to where I'm going and do my walks and my hikes. So <laughs> that, that's perfectly good too. <laughs> well, uh, I, I hope we can do this again. Maybe we can have a forum and talk more about uh, what what the job involves and how elections are going in Nevada County and answer some people's questions on Colin. I think that would be great. But in the meantime, I'm Keith Porter. My guest today has been Natalie Adona. She's a currently assistant Nevada County clerk recorder and Registrar of Voters, becoming that, taking that job in its own right uh, in January because she was elected to that in June. So thank you very much for listening. And Natalie, thank you very much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you it. so much, Keith. Glad to be here. <laughs>